Excuse me. <laughs> I think I'm in the wrong apartment. <laughs> <laughs> The big laughs are supposed to be happening here. Yeah. Okay. No, that's right. I remember my first tattoo too. I was giggling all the time. <laughs> oh fuck, she's very tatted up. So that was a good diss. That was a very good diss. It was a good burn. Yeah, I'm sure it burned less than my first tattoo. That shit. You've got, got Yeezys on. I do. Yeah. You have Yeezys on. Those, yeah. They're but they're newer Yeezys. They're also not real. I could tell. I didn't want to say yeah. that, but can I could, you? Yeah, I could tell. What, yeah, what yeah. about it? Um, their the, shape. Yeah, they're they're just. Uh, you seem to have normal normal sized feet. Yeah. But they're um, like the the base of it is slightly oversized, I guess. Yeah, but also like uh, Yeezys go longer. Um, oh. So like, what what size foot are you? Well, in? these are. It, it depends on the model of the Yeezys. No, just in general. Oh, what do you um, say what size your foot is? Like nine and a half. Nine and a half? Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, the general yeah. shape I could kind of... I mean, who gives a flying fuck Yeah, I, I mean, the new ones are like, what, three, four hundred bucks? Yeah, I, I, I got know. these for 50. Yeah, right. And they're comfy. If they they're comfy, well. that's all it is. I mean, that was the thing. By the end of having Yeezys, there was kind of this weird paradigm where like... Because I had the 350 Belugas and... Uh, I really like them because just on mm. the whole, they're a very comfortable shoe. Yeah. Very easy to walk in. Is this part of all the podcasts? I love it. I love it. Is, uh, isn't a dating podcast no, talking about Yeezys right off the bat? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird always because the first like 20, 30 minutes of the episode, is yeah. it's always like kind of cold and also... Right. Like I, I I get to know the person and it's just like yeah we don't know each to, other too well starting to mesh no I we've been like to a couple events yeah I mean you you ran a lot of events but how many shows kind of, did you do at the mountain uh I think one but one? I just yeah I did the uh I did uh, Sean's hot, hot take like I think the second on, or the third one yeah really? and then uh, I've just been working right like every every time or like had a different show or whatever yeah. um. And then it's, I don't have a car, so it's, right. it was kind of weird getting. Where you live? Like uh, South Camby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like I have to go for downtown, take a train over, or just where's your normal, through. Where's your normal room? Normal. Room, like that you go up. Oh, where, uh, I really like the levels room, like taglines. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they've kind of went to a monthly now, which is uh, shitty, but yeah winter is coming um which is strange because that's when everybody should be gearing up for more shows yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it's a nightclub how, i guess they expect it to go down right they don't want to i don't know oh right In they're that, not yeah, like comedy room. focus they're right they're yeah. a nightclub um that makes sense i like uh I used to like crammy quite a bit mm. uh so megan milton her and i we run a show in south vancouver right. at um off off leash at uh, dogwood and so she ran a room at wallflower uh crime comedy right it was kind of cool because uh they marketed as like the worst right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, the worst comedy show in vancouver and um now they're at they're on man and 23rd it's called portland craft or portland 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 brewery i'm glad we've got a a brewery called portland here yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. just give more props to portland you know yeah Vancouver is the best city at pretending to be a different city. 
Wow, that's pretty astute, actually. That's yeah. what. That's why we're the Hollywood. It's like the chameleon city you for North America. What we gotta America. do though is we gotta be basing our shit off of Austin, Texas. That's what oh. we gotta be basing it off of. How so? Yeah, Austin, Texas. I just think has the best. I don't know if necessarily for comedy, but I can say at least for like artists and DIY artists and like artists that are not necessarily commercially successful, but they are able to run a really successful city with just people going out to events mm. and you can be a really like you can be a successful artist in Austin and be known by no one else in the rest of the country Wild. but be able to like pay your rent actually like pay your rent or pay your mortgage mm. like based on the money that you make from shows but and stuff what like what are they doing differently it's just the culture of Col- the city it's hu- hugely culturally i mean they they took the portland saying i didn't even realize it was portland saying but they they have a saying keep austin weird yeah so it's all about like yeah trying to like not let too much commercialism and stuff like infect it and whatever so mm. as well as um part of it's just uh they have a really big talent pool i mean but we have that as well right yeah and they have the infrastructure and all of that um but you know i uh yeah i just think what they're doing is tits and now they've got like <laughs> real celebrities celebrities like going and moving there and stuff and that's just going to help things so much more because th- these guys are not only trying to like help contribute what they can in terms of notoriety but then also like they want to get involved with the mm. shows that are already established there. Mm. Like I'm going to go check out uh, in a couple of weeks, like go and check out uh, like the Creek in the cave and a couple of different spots down in Texas there that are like kind of known spots for comics um, down, awesome. down South there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, I want to kind of go in, like, I'm really going to go there and just try to learn everything that I can to see how much we can base off of. Are you American? No, but my grandparents live down, uh, oh, down okay. in down Austin. So I've been there like a whole bunch. Um, I'm not named after it. And every, everybody always asks that, but my mom's ex-husband, uh, his last name was Houston. So <laughs> I, at one point had the offer on the table to be, to change my name. And I was like, you want me to fucking change my name to Austin Houston? <laughs> Howdy partner. Like what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> so no, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um But I think like in terms of if you had a pick to be named after a place in Texas, mm-hmm. Austin kind mm-hmm. of embodies I don't know, Dallas is pretty dope too. For uh, a name, Dallas is a pretty great name, but yeah. Dallas kinda fucking sucks. <laughs> Dallas kinda sucks. Anywhere else in Texas is like Austin is this blue blue little dot in a sea of red. So like <laughs> this story I'm out in Texas a couple years back, probably like this was like I want to say election year, so like 2015. Mm. Um, I'm out in Texas. My grandparents want to take me to uh, like farmers market kind of thing. It's like a big fair or whatever where they have just like people go and bring out stuff and you can go and buy. It's like yeah. large scale garage sale kind of idea, but it's massive. It's like they take up big acres of farmland people set up booths and what kind of stuff do they sell it's crazy you can literally find like if you go there for long enough you can find just about everything it's kind of like the richmond night market where you're like if you're just walking around you'll see like oh swords here and then you go to the next bar and you're like neon signs and but they'll like come from all over everywhere yeah. and go and sell like antiques and collectibles that's and sick all this kind of stuff but we're out there and uh and we're driving and the car pulls up right next to us and it's a it's one of those like jeeps like old school jeep kind of looks like like a military kind of mm-hmm. jeep it's white and on the doors painted in black giant on the doors giant swastikas and they're just 
Driving all around Texas, out middle fucking nowhere. Yeah, it's fucking weird, dude. But then, yeah, you go into Austin, and it's like, you know, blue-haired. It's pretty fucking... Blue-haired. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean, though? A lot of people with patches and buttons on their fucking shit, you know? It's really, you know, it's pretty left. And I think what that does is that it, it, it basically... You get people in the mix that are from Texas that maybe had fairly conservative parents but have seen that that's not necessarily the Boy. entirety of what they're all about and then move to Austin and they, they're kind of like a chill liberal. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's like very low key. Like I was joking about the blue hair thing. It might be like that now, but from what I've heard, it's, it's supposed to be like the most centrist mm. uh, city in, in the, in the country. It's weird because uh, like when I think of a art city, maybe East van kind of pops up, but mostly in terms of where art is uh, valued by the city itself, yeah. Montreal always seems like mm. more of a vibe. Yeah. I've, so I've I don't know that. what we can change in Vancouver on like an individual or like even a venue level yeah. to make it more. Quality control helps. Yeah, I Quality suppose. Quality control helps. I mean, yeah, there are lots of different um, like shows and stuff, but a lot of the times when you're like, if you're at a location, you're running mm. a bad show, it's a really easy way to burn that location. Mm. And now that's one less spot that can feasibly have shows. But they just don't have trust. They anymore. won't have trust in it because somebody decided, you know, I'm going to run a show here and they can promote or mm. maybe they booked a really stupid lineup mm. or, you know, whatever it is. And then, yeah, the venue goes, OK, well, we're not that anymore. And now you've lost out a spot. Do you think there's areas in the city that can not? have a venue like or you can do it anywhere mm. you know well, we were proof that you could do it anywhere um depending on what it is i mean there's a spot that's really cool room but the building is just so run down and the location is just absolutely dreadful and i really appreciate the guys for what they've done but um they're called the the buddha room um out and out on hastings okay and but they are uh they are smack dab in the middle of hastings mm. uh you're talking about like you're talking about like a five to ten minute walk each any which direction inward so and then just tent city like all lined up right out in front of them it's a massive room could fill out like 200 people uh, could be a great spot for comedy. They have to shut down now because they've had so many like stabbings and fucking all Wild. this crazy shit. These are all things I've heard. Actually, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I don't have any confirmation on yeah. these things. But these are things that I've heard. That. But I mean, you, you weren't too far off from all of that. In no, the and we had to deal with our own little bit with it. I mean, a lot of that is just how you operate within the community, how you establish yourself, uh, and then what your presence is like after the fact. I mean, when we first started up doing events, we were doing you know music and kind of heavy set mm. stuff, and you know people reacted a little poorly to that just because of noise levels and stuff you got drum drums kicking down below and people living up above no one's gonna fucking like that it's drums but once we started to get more like you know jazzy melodic you know acoustic stuff in the mix and then obviously comedy they love the comedy dude really like, oh yeah you'd get people coming down during the days when we'd be open being like i was listening last night i was laughing my ass off or like especially for the ciphers because ciphers were great they were only seven to ten every tuesday and you know super free flow but like uh I'm, I'm ESL as fuck. So what's a cipher? Cipher is uh uh it's like uh rap freestyling. Oh yeah, sweet yeah. So what what we would do is uh with the guys at Icon Hip Hop they would um they basically just throw a three hour track down 
uh, mm. just playing on the on the speakers and have DJ there playing a three hour track, and then uh, it would just be exactly like you and I are doing right now. In. Just pass the mic around and no stage, Sick. no nothing. Everybody in a circle. There was no point of power, position of performance or anything like that. It was literally anyone could come. It was free. Uh, you could come and rap for free if you ever That's wanted so to cool. try it and be in an audience that is like. It was the perfect mix because, like, because we're young, um, by nature of it, it was progressive, but it was kind of perfect where it was progressive in the sense where it was like, we'd never had to force any inclusion Mm. or like make it like known that like anyone's welcome. It's just the, or like, are we like everybody, like you can't be mean to one another, like just the Mm. culture demanded for inclusivity and for people to encourage one another to actually like step out of their comfort zone. So for a lot of guys and a lot of girls there, it was their first time ever performing uh, with a microphone hip hop. So you're, you're, you're talking about that was the closest thing that we ever had to an open mic. I never did an open mic comedy night. Um, just cause I think that it's fucking painful and there's <laughs> it, no, it's so the, painful. The culture is so different too, right? It, yeah. When you, bomb, when you bomb rapping in front of a group of people, you have a really easy chance where you go 10 seconds, you fuck up you get embarrassed and you're stumbling. Now you can pass the mic to somebody and they'll be really good with it. Mm. So they'll be able to keep the energy and they'll be able to take it right back up. And everybody goes, hey, you know what? That's no big deal. Because you didn't derail the whole fucking night. Open mic nights can be just brutal for that. That's oh true. God. But I think rap is kind of different in, in a way because you can prepare better. And you can you can also like... If someone if someone wrote something and they recorded it and sent it to you, you could listen to it and be like, yeah, this is, this is it. Or mm. no, 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 not quite. Yeah. Or like, oh, you can change it. But with, with a joke... Well, the thing is, though, is that they are they are they are freestyling, right? So, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure some people were coming and bringing written stuff for mm. sure, and I know that I'm sure I know for sure people were bringing written stuff as well. But at least we have, like, you know, we had kind of a standard array of like guys, and we still do. They they still mm. do it now, even though we don't have the venue anymore. They still do it. They go at the skate plaza every Tuesday. Cool. Uh, seven to ten it's totally free and they just they do the exact same thing but now it's outdoors yeah um so they uh yeah but um yeah i mean i'm sure some people do but for the most part we have like a kind of a staple of like Mm. you know about 12 guys that are like always going to be there um no matter what and everybody else kind of comes and goes and we're bringing large crowds now you know 50 60 people outdoors you know and come into the skate park it's pretty crazy but these guys they come and they are just excellent freestyle rappers see so so that's the thing like uh, when when the audience knows it's freestyling oh i see it's also a different expectation and the audience is different because if you think of comedy in the same sense that would be improv right and if you look at improv comedy, yeah. if you look at the improv audiences yeah. and comedy, you could see like it's a different that is a different crowd. dynamic yeah. and different crowd too. Well, because the out of expectation is on the like the people are aware that this is being made up, so exactly. that kind of reverence for uh, like failure mm-hmm. is a lot more accepted. I think the issue with open mic nights is that. Um, 
the crowds are it, it's a strange it's a strange thing to try to get mm. people to come to because you're basically asking people to come and see like an athlete like work out yeah like you're you're Except like let me let me go and work out not even out. a pro level uh, no, athlete no yeah. no no uh, somebody that's like i would just like, like a neighborhood one guy. day i would like to be in the M- nba yeah and you're like okay i'm gonna come and now watch you but lift they're weights. like five nine yeah, yeah they're five nine <laughs> and you know they're 37 and they've been doing it for 10 years and it's not working and whatever right but it's yeah it's the same kind of thing i think the kind of the issue is with open mics from my perspective is that there's not really a decent way as venue to be able to do it where you're a profiting Mm -hmm. uh because i I don't believe in the idea of charging people for an open mic i think that that's silly because you're going and seeing an unfinished product and you're not seeing professional comedy so to charge people even anything um you know anything more than five bucks i think is ridiculous it's usually in a mid you know week kind of spot so you're not really going to be selling alcohol so you're kind of just doing it as a favor for the comics you're you're trying to grow but the yeah exactly but the the people that come i find what is the and that's the part that's the most annoying to me is that there's like an open mic crowd Mm -hmm. like not an open mic crowd of audience that's coming but an open mic group of people that like they'll go to all the open mics and they're like they call themselves comedians on their (laughs) instagram buzz and they've been doing it though for tinder as well for yeah i'm sure yeah yeah (laughs) you have a picture with a mic you're a comedian yep you're a comedian yeah been there but you you really like you've got these guys um, that are kind of just known for that. And if you are a comic and you're like wanting to be a successful comic and you're wanting to get stage time and you're getting bitter about the fact that mm. you're not getting stage time in certain areas, you're like, oh, well, they just don't want this or they don't want that or whatever. You got to be going to those shows. Yeah. You got to be getting yourself like acquainted with the people that are like running shows. Mm. And I'm seeing guys at these open mics and hopefully maybe some of them are listening right now, but these guys that are, they just continue to go to the open mics because they don't, feel confident in themselves to be able to put their act into a real show and try to get a spot onto something else. They don't ask anybody for it. It's they don't, they don't, and you have to ask people for it before it's given to you. Mm. You really do. And it's going to take a lot of just like ego hit, like eating shit, going up to somebody being like, can I get a spot? Hearing no, hearing no, hearing no, Mm. hearing no until somebody sees you and go, oh, okay, that's a funny motherfucker. Let's get them up. And then you still hit the open mics. It doesn't mean then you stop. That's the thing. The best guys are still hitting up open mics. Mm. John McDonald still hits up open mics. Ola goes and hits up open mics. Marito goes and hits up open mics. I haven't seen Ola at an open mic in a while. Maybe a little bit. (laughs) No, no, no. But I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? I mean, I've seen him for the last two years at open mics all the time. Sure, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody doesn't mean that you're having to go up every time because you don't need it. But at least when you're trying trying shit out, it doesn't mean that like you're you 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 snub that out because you're better than that. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. You still keep going and doing them. And I still think that they're really an important, important part for comedy and stuff. Just with what the kind of culture I'm trying to create with the Martin is Mm. like, I want somebody to to be able to go and look at a week's of worth of schedule of shows and go i can pick any one of these and they're all going to be really fucking good yeah always going to be really fucking good no matter what no matter what yeah so yeah we just there's no new no new comics unless we've only we only had one brand new comic ever perform and that was like part of the show premise was that one new comic would get to perform Mm. and that was the only time we ever did it because we only did the show once 
But that was cool, and I appreciated that. She didn't do well, but it was, she did well enough for a first-time performer. It was good, but it's, of course, when you've got a lineup where you've yeah. got fucking killers on it, you're, you're going to, you know, eat shit in comparison. But she did fine enough, and, uh, but yeah, man, that, that open mic thing just, those guys, it's a lot of the times that go, and they just, I, sad as fuck, bro. I think. <laughs> it is, though. It is, yeah. Because you're talking about guys that are t- double my age, right? Yeah. So uh, from my perspective, too, I'm looking at guys that are double my age that are like, that are kind of chasing their dreams, but they're doing it with handicaps on mm. because they're like, they. That's an underdog story. No, nah, it's not, though, because <laughs> they've convinced themselves that that's what they are, though. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm just on, on one right now. I really could just be on one right now. But like, at least at least I've got like a visualizer of like 10 people in my mind that are in the scene there that I'm always seeing at those things or always seeing in like photos of open mics and stuff. I'm like, so you've been doing this the same amount of time that I have at, at the bare minimum, mm. if not years before I have. So if I don't know you, if you haven't come and like talk to me and if the, these pers- these people like will be doing it for years and will still consider themselves underdogs mm. and it's because they just keep going to like for you the know, same motions or whatever yeah. and you're like there's gonna be i was just talking to somebody about this but there's never gonna be that guy that's gonna be like i discovered you and now i think you're great now <laughs> let me give you the the whole world yeah, on silver it, it, platter. you're you're not really growing you're doing the same thing yeah. over and over and over and you, like you're getting good at that one aspect well and you're convincing yourself as well that this is all like that the scene is too hard or that mm. people aren't giving you opportunities. And it's a lot of times it's guys will be like, Oh, well they just don't want like white guys on or whatever. Mm. It's like people fall into these traps of like little like thought pieces that are just incorrect. It's, it's truly just like you need to go and introduce yourself to people that are running shows. Hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to get on those shows. Or if people are running shows at venues or whatever, like try to get on those guys' shows. Like, you know, that's a perfect, that's the best way. If you want a spot, uh, like at the moment, like go and talk to Peter Grant or go and talk yeah. to like one of the people that are running shows. Don't come and talk to me even. I mean, come and talk to me. That's fine enough. And it's a good thing that if I know you, that's yeah. cool. That's good. And that's a good thing that I know you. And especially if I'm going out to other clubs and like, you know, hey, how's it going? And if you're like friendly and we're friendly and stuff, that's going to be a much easier step for me to make to put you on a lineup. You know? So how did you get into all this? Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's kind of an interesting, like, into the mountain or into comedy or... Uh, I suppose, well, let's start with the start. Like, you're you're yeah. v- from Vancouver? I'm from White Rock. Okay. Yeah, South Surrey kind of area. Nice. Um, yeah. I went to film school Okay. Uh, out, of, out of high school. Mm. Then I went traveling, did, like, a couple tours out in Europe. Couple um, of tours. Well, I Sounds did. Do, like, <laughs> I know, right? Sounds like yeah. I went and did military shit, but I, it was nothing like that. But you, you go traveling as a seventeen-year-old out in Europe, yeah. and you'll feel like a fucking tour by the end of it. Man. <laughs> How it feels like, is that legal? Yeah, at most places in Europe, you can do that, and we were booking most of like the hostels and stuff right. prior. So, but yeah, um, yeah. So it was me and my buddy. Um, we went out, uh, did two big trips out in Europe, and. Mm experience what it's like to really go like holy shit you know which i think is the biggest education i've ever gotten which what is what about it but what about it gave you the whole like holy shit 
well, each trip we had one big like event that was like hard on us. Yeah. You know, they call them core memories these days. right? Yeah, kind of. You know, it, w- the first one I got stuck in uh, in Germany and had to go and get a new passport. I was in Frankfurt and had to get to Berlin on my own. Yeah, that's a whole story. And then the second one, my buddy, the same guy that I was traveling with, we I'd taken him for a surprise trip to Ibiza, and when we were there on the last night. He wanted to still go get more fucked up. He went out. I was like, all right, I'm going to stay in a hotel. He went out. He didn't come back. We had to go find him. It was like a couple day long thing. We thought he was Holy dead. Shit. It was, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> that's, that's, he's that's okay now. Though. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he was, oh, he was fine. All yeah, right. He just got roofied. He was, he was fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he says he didn't get fucked, but who knows? You know, it's whatever. Uh, so then, yeah, I, we get back. And then I go to film school for a year. Mm. Um, I go to Capilano, um, do that. I'm like, I have like film background. So I was like super interested in getting into the film industry, do that for a year. Um, realize like the industry part of that was just something I wasn't really interested in. Mm. That like end of the day, most jobs in the film industry are, are just that are just jobs. Um, like you might as well go and work in the trades and you'll get paid a lot more. Yeah. The magic isn't really there once you get into it. No, unless you're up at the creative level, but even that is like borderline more administrative work than Mm. anything else. Unless you're like a writer or a director, there's really nothing in there that is like, properly creative even acting or whatever yeah. it's all kind of just taking other people's stuff and props kind of maybe but even props, then yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're yeah, using true. stuff yeah, props sometimes and set deck and, yeah. and and production design to a degree for sure but yeah for the most part i i had kind of gotten the impression okay um, but I, I got the idea that producing i was really interested in mm. i really like producing and that was one thing that like film school gave me that like was super valuable because i don't think i really looked at that as like a career um, or something that I was super interested in before, and I kind of came came in like all film kids do, and like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a writer director. And then at the end, I was like, I did really well in producing and did very poorly in all the other classes. So let's. Well, I did mid and poor in a lot of other ones, but you know, producing I got an A plus. So I was like, okay, I think I could maybe do this. So then we do a couple test projects like uh, uh, short films through there, and then the year out. What's so for for films like what's part of the producing? basically assemble it's like nick fury okay yeah so you're pretty much just there to assemble the whole team so it's your job to make sure that there is someone for every role Mm -hmm. and then producers hire yeah uh, okay yeah so the producers will will hire like all of the you know production design Mm -hmm. they'll pick out all of that team so a big part of it is like talent management and like yeah so it's it, and then your job for the most part is is just making sure that all of the things that need to get done mm. for it for it, whether it's legal whether it's practical whether it's creative um are getting done and so whatever that looks like that becomes on you Sweet. so yeah you're pretty much like like running a show and hosting it yeah, uh, yeah to a degree like basically the best part about producing them in my opinion is that if you've done your job correctly mm-hmm. by the time shooting starts your job is over mm. or, or, or at least relatively or seriously reduced. I, man, every, every couple of minutes, I'm like, uh, I'm remembering your age and it blows no, my mind. Don't do that. That's, that's <laughs> not a good idea. People get very sad and that, that goes through. But um, like I said, even, even in this, it's not as if I've gone and like become a producer out in, you know, the film industry yeah. or anything like that. But when I did leave uh, straight out of school, 
um, I ended up started productions right away. I just mm-hmm. wanted to start making movies because I was like, I had kind of a decision where I was like, okay, I could go back for another year of school, but that's going to put me, uh, what would it have been? It would have been 16 grand just for that year, mm. let alone all my living expenses. So you're talking about like close to 30,000 in debt for a second year. I had my first year uh, paid for. My mom saved up since I was like a baby. So mm. we, we, I had my first year um, covered for at least the tuition. I had to do like my own living and stuff. So I still did get some student debt. But um, the second year was going to be all student debt. And I was like, okay, I could do 30,000 for a second year. So I have my diploma in film or motion picture arts. Um, which is nothing. Like yeah. the film industry, um, will let you know the the one of the biggest scams in the film industry is film school. Yeah, it, truly. Unless unless you are really like dead set that you that you are a genius and that you are no tour and that you should be directing and writing films on a high budget level and that you really think that you are that skilled that you're going to be one of the millions of people in the world that are interested in doing that. Don't go to film school because everything that you're going to learn for the most part are things that you're going to have to relearn when you're on set Mm. because they have to reteach you. They're not legally allowed to not reteach you. So all of the training that you learn in film school, if you want to be a grip, electric, production design, I would say is like fairly decent Mm -hmm. to have because at least what it does is that it gives you an opportunity to work as an actual production designer because other other than that you won't get build up a portfolio of stuff that's exclusively your own plus Mm. it gives you the resources of like all the props that are there and all of that so that's a kind of a decent one that you maybe could justify makeup, that kind of price probably. tag on. But all, no, you don't learn makeup in oh. that. So yeah, I mean, makeup you could go to school for and learn makeup. Yeah, definitely mm. that, that would help. But for the most part, what like general film studies will get you is zip. Mm. Uh, like I could understand that they were as best as they could giving a curriculum that was as current as possible. Mm. Like one thing that I really appreciated was like for screenwriting, they did contemporary films. So like actually not just for screenwriting, but for pretty much all of our film analysis, which wasn't too much, which is fine. Film analysis is kind of, again, it's another little scam for film schools. Like it doesn't ever help like you in the industry to mm. be able to like look at, you know, Citizen Kane and be like, what was it all about? You know, you like, can also YouTube that you can also YouTube that and somebody's <laughs> done it a million times over. So for the little bit of film analysis that we did, I appreciate the fact that they tried to keep it as contemporary as possible. Mm. So for screenwriting, the two scripts that we analyzed throughout the semester was uh, Get Out and Juno. Oh, that's so awesome. Like, Those are dope movies. Yeah. I'm glad that we got to read like I fully read Get Out and actually got to read it, read it. And like mm. I was glad that I got to do that same thing for Juno. I was like I was satisfied with the fact that we were having to read just ancient scripts that were completely out. But for the most part, especially, you know, um, when I went to ask them what the the next years had to entail, because I was like, okay, you know, you're talking about three years, all in all, mm. just for tuition for your four-year ride is $60,000. There's people in the U.S. listening right now and weeping. Oh, of how little that is in <laughs> They're comparison? They're like, this is my term. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair enough. But but all in all, $60,000, yeah, yeah. you're talking about, you know, I, you know, it's a good chunk of change, Yeah, you want right? to see if it's worth it. So, you know, they have you in the second semester, they have you, um, everybody all comes into their, like, big, you know, hall or whatever, and you get to ask questions about what second year is going to mm. be like and what the rest of the program is going to be look like in terms of curriculum they should have done that in hogwarts i feel like (laughs) dude 
What can we expect with our education? Well, every year we're going to have a really fucked up defense against the dark arts teacher. He's going to probably try to kill a couple students every year. We're going to have at least one large monster present. I hope you guys are okay with that. We're going to deal with one giant monster every year. That's fucking hilarious, dude. So I, yeah. I go and do the orientation for the, the extra years. And the question I ask, I only ask one question, but I just ask, at any point in this program, not even have to go into it for full thing, but does it mention social media? Mm. Just on the whole, does it, is there any section uh, a week that we take on that is about how to manage social media or how to promote your films through that or what that mm. is going to look like in the next 10 years or five years or next year uh, or anything like that? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, deuces, I'm out. I'm out. Because social media is how all indie films are promoted now. Mm. It, because there's no more DVDs, there is no cult films without social media. Mm. The cult film used to be old Matt, da- Matt Damon was just recently talking about this on uh, I, Hollywood, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you saw yeah. that, right? Where he's talking about like you used to be able to make movies on on low budget, but actually be able to make some money off of it because of DVD, DVD sales, sales, right? Yeah. And because those are out of the way or out of the window now, it's only like streamers buying your film, or mm. it somehow manages to have a halfway decent you know, success rate with the indie run. Hmm. The indie run is only, only possible. And the streaming route even is only possible with the marketing through social media. That's the only way to be able to tell people, hey, this is a fucking dope movie. I went and saw this. You should go see it too. And then people go, fuck, I want to go see that. Hmm. And then they go see it. Yes, you wanted to make films. Yes, Um, I want to make movies. So I'm out of film school Why'd you want to make films? What about, like, how... The earliest thing I've ever wanted to do is just make movies. Hmm. I, 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 first thing I ever was taught to do, like, I think, at least the thing that, uh, you know, you learn your basics when you're a kid, you know, whatever, eating, all that stuff. But the first thing that I can remember like having to be like sat down to show because my parents didn't want to do it anymore was like learning how to load up a vhs tape and like oh, turn, turn it on to the good TV. old child labor yeah right <laughs> well but, but the thing is is because i was i'd wake up like really really early i always have had really bad sleep ever mm. since i was like super super young so when i was really young it used to be i'd wake up very early and then as i've gotten older it just shifted so hmm. i used to wake up at five now i go to bed at five you know what i mean like, oh, yeah. all right so yeah i'd wake up at like five hmm. and then i'd want to watch a movie before school or like kindergarten or whatever and i'd wake up my parents every time to come hey can you load up the movie and then they'd go back to bed and whatever hmm. before i learned how to make breakfast for myself i learned how to watch movies so yeah I, i've been watching movies forever so you know so you you were born like late 90s no, 2000. <laughs> I'm a 2000 kid, I know. Okay, there you go. 2000. Why did you have VHS tapes in 2000? 2000 was still VHS tapes, Was dude. it? I mean, we weren't rich. We, um, DVD players. I mean, I think we had a DVD player, but for the most part, you would still have VHS tapes for mm. movies that you own. Like, collections were a thing, right? right? Okay. So, but my parents had VHS collections. DVDs you could buy, but, like, DVDs at the time, I remember, I see stickers still, and you could go and, like, you know, when I because I, I have a massive VHS and DVD collection mm. now. We can talk about that after, but I'm like 500 DVDs all Holy stacked shit. up in my living room. Yeah, a bunch of VHS tapes and stuff. But um, DVDs at the time were like $30 yeah. then, which was like 
yeah like forty dollars now like forty or fifty dollars now like they were so a expensive. lot of money going to tv yeah to, right to which movies, they were just yeah. printing money at the time that's exactly it where you're yeah because yeah, yeah. they've always only been like two dollars to make yeah like that's always been the case even no, now no the reason i'm saying it because uh like i'm eastern european growing up in the 90s i felt like that was we're getting the last of the vhs stuff mm, right yeah so it's kind of cool hearing someone eastern european? yeah i'm from moldova oh really yeah I my 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 only just Czechoslovakian. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, it was still a thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Um. So, I they taught you with the movies, and you were like, "This is yeah. I kind of want to." Okay. Cool. How did this place come to be? This Uman? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's kind of like that's kind of where I'm getting with it. So I I make the I make the first short film. We do a second one after mm-hmm. that, which that one's like 45 minutes. And that one was Daddy. And that one was really big. I self-funded it, but it was like my story. I, I wrote it, directed, produced, edit. Wow. Like, I still like 30 plus crew did in the middle of the pandemic. So that was something weird too. It was like September 2020. Um, yeah. Yeah. Middle, middle of the pandemic. It was right. That September mark was like, I don't know if you remember, but in Vancouver, there was like that. I wasn't you here. Weren't, you weren't here yeah. yet. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, in September, there was a gap where they let the rains Things go have, yeah oh. for september till october they mm. let like they're like no more covid and we can all go back out and then like yeah right after that <laughs> and they're like back to business so but in that little gap we shot the movie and that was killer that was just really good for me and my soul you know they'll be able to like do something like that and then um and then what I had planned was um, I was working and saving up same thing to go and go on another big trip. Mm. Um, so my grandpa uh, decided that he he was retired now. He wanted to buy like a old ass like sailboat, and he was like, "Do you want to be my first mate? You want to come be my That's skipper?" Sick, you know? dude. Yeah, it was awesome, right? He didn't know how to sail. I didn't yeah. know how to sail, so we started learning how to sail together. And so I was like, "Okay, well, how long are we gonna go? We're gonna go for a year." And we were going to, you know, we're going to really do it up, go like all over the world, go traveling yeah. everywhere, learn how to sail together. We'll be like on the open ocean, you know, How whatever. easy is it to learn how to sail? Not easy. Like not, <laughs> not easy at all. Like we wildly <laughs> underestimated. Now, here's the thing. My grandpa, he didn't have his sailing license but he knows how to sail oh he's okay. one of those guys that just you know you you point him at a car and say hey, it's fucked up and he's gonna be able to fix it all right he's one of those guys that just you know he was super crucial to the first month so for about a year from uh, 2020 that september mark right after that i get kind of a i, I become a nanny and i know okay i'm gonna spend a year doing this and i'm gonna save up all the money that i can i'm I, i'm i'm still paying rent but i'm in back in white rock so it's like way less yeah, yeah, like yeah. way fucking less than vancouver so august of 2021 something like that i i'm working this other job and i cut my um thumb uh okay. yeah so i cut my thumb uh i lacerate the uh the tendon oh, on fuck. my thumb um and so i'm like yeah yeah I, I still don't have full function but i'm like i'm out uh, so october of 2020 yeah that's what i had hmm. and all my dates were a year back so october 2020 uh I, I that's when we're supposed to leave me and my grandpa he hasn't bought the boat yet up until this point we're going yeah, through yeah. all the lessons and stuff but he just hasn't figured it out he doesn't find the right boat and now it's just getting to the point where it's like i've waited a year to go out on this thing and I'm kind of like, fuck, like, uh, you know, um, let's pull the trigger. Yeah. Let's, let's you go. know, let's do something, you yeah. know, like we got to do something. So I end up starting, uh, maybe this can kind of uh, fall into the, to what the podcast is always. Yeah. To be I start dating girl. And now we're in. Woo! Now we're in. We, start- <laughs> we did it. <laughs>